All right, guys. Uh, here we are again. So back. We're gonna have a guest today. Uh, I'm quite excited about it. Actually, we don't uh, we don't uh, do a lot of awareness type stuff on here. We got we did we did our, our episode. Theo and concussions. Yeah, maybe we do. Maybe that's all we do. <laughs> I mean, you know what though? That's cool with that. Plus yeah, a few no. hockey stories. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I I probably just put my foot right in my mouth. We did do the Theo Flurry episode. And that would have been episode like four. Or something yeah. stupid, and uh, you know, the, pe the people you get are the ones with the good messages, and I'm all about that because the more I learn, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're going to learn lots from this guy. Uh, we've got a veteran of over 800 professional hockey uh, games. That's between the AHL and the NHL. Uh, he's currently in a battle. Uh, I'd like to think he's on the winning side of it. Uh, Mr. Mark Curtin is coming on very shortly. Going to join us. Uh, going to talk ALS and ALS awareness. Uh, because that's his uh, that's his battle right now, and he's taking uh, taking it by the horns. Uh, but we're also going to chime in with a little bit of hockey stuff at the end, get some stories. He played in uh, yeah. Toronto and uh, during the Ballard era, and he played for the Wings for an extended period of time as well as he Canucks, got drafted so. in. Yeah, he got drafted in just before the Ballard dismantle. So yeah. he had Settler and Boudreaux and Salming and Williams, Vive, everybody. Oh, Turnbull, Ennis. Yeah, Ellis. Sorry. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, without further ado, guys, let's titter tatter. Let's get at her. Hey, Mark. How you doing, boys? Oh, I'm doing good. Sunshine again, which is uh, very welcome down here. Down in Newfoundland? Where whereabouts oh, yeah. are you in Newfoundland? Uh, I'm in St. John's. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, I, live, yeah. I live about an hour and a half outside the city, a small town. So oh, is that right? I lived in, in the city for a uh, better part of a decade. And, yeah, uh, no, the Yeah, I wanted, wanted to yeah. slow it down a little bit, you know? I know. I love the Maritimes. Like, I spent yeah, about four years in my minor leagues there okay. right yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, i was two years two and a half years in freddie beach and yeah. um, two years in moncton uh freddie beach must have been nice oh freddie freddie was nice but because he yeah. had the university right beside yep. you right yeah. and it had the world's best bars like moncton and fredericton had the world's best bar and it was called the cosmo this i've been to the cosmo everybody knows it they play like the downstairs I like yeah. the downstairs because one that old brick cellar and it's like oh, a couple yeah. guys up on the stage playing and uh yeah I had a great time there when we were there to see the Stones play. Oh, we went to right? that little bar. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Had a good story out of that place. Invented a shot that got pretty popular here in town actually, just yeah, by an accident. Pretty dark in there, eh, Chad? Yeah, like it's, it's an old wine cellar kind of thing. It's yeah, very dark. Didn't really know what was going on until he got outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never did much of the rock and rodeo. Or the IROC, uh, it was called their last. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it's funny, Doug McLean, who you guys know through the social media with Kipper on the yep. on the podcast. I met Doug at the Cosmo back in 1985. He was coaching uh, uh, UNB, and I was the captain of the Fredericton Express. So we met and we laughed about the Cosmo the other day on the, uh, yeah. on his podcast. But uh, I don't think it's there anymore. Or I don't think it's called that anymore. But but I love the Maritimes. I listen. I I uh, 
my first year when I was drafted uh, to Toronto, they were in Dallas, the farm team. So I figured, boy, you know, I can go to the Central League, lie in the sun on the off days, it'd be great. And then yeah. they switched to Moncton. Yeah. And I've never seen more snow in my life. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> yeah. our cars were covered in snow, right to the top to the bottom. We used oh, to have to get lots the, of uh, rink, the rink hose out to, uh, to hose the car down. Oh, wow. You wouldn't want to do that here. It would be frozen solid well, for about a month. Yeah, no, that's true, too. Newfoundland yeah. <laughs> okay. is a little bit funnier. But, but thanks for inviting me, guys. Uh, the more awareness in this, the better, you know? Yeah, I agree. All right, folks. Welcome back. Chad, do you have any episode, episode number to sis? <laughs> I'm, you know, every time I guess, and I'm going to say 22. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's been a few weeks since the last one, so yeah, I mean, I haven't, uh, I haven't counted oh, since. Sure, let's 22. call it 22. Okay. Welcome to episode 22 of the Deke Snipe Silly Podcast, guys. Um, your host, Ryan Gates, and Chad Newman there on the bottom. Uh, today we're joined by uh, by a special guest, uh, and we got a, a special message with this with this guest. Uh, today we have a former NHL uh, player. Um, he's a he was originally drafted by the, the Leafs of all teams, a team that me and Chad follow quite closely. Drafted by the Leafs in uh, 1978, uh, but played uh, three years at the Peterborough Peets, where he was a star on that team, of course. Uh, veteran of, of over 280 NHL games. Uh, I got him at. 520 sound right mark ahl games yeah a lot of yeah, games down there yeah That's absolutely um and now he's a, he's a 31 year veteran in the real estate market in oakville ontario uh none other than mr mark Curtin. welcome to the show mark wow guys thanks for having me i appreciate that no absolutely pleasure's ours so uh the big the big uh, topic of course and and you've been hot on social media lately i mean it, it, everywhere i've looked everywhere i've turned it's it's it's, it's mark curtain time and and that's so great to hear because uh, you've got a great a uh, great message that you're trying to get across awareness for als or i guess as as most people would more commonly know it uh, lou garrick's disease um but uh, you've been diagnosed yourself and you're you're working through uh, als at the moment and you want to get on and, and just have a little chat about that so uh, yeah no, it was it uh the month of june was huge for the als community without a doubt and of course major league baseball um having the june 2nd lou garrick day was uh, was massive for us because it really put us on the map because for the longest time 80 years it's kind of been the forgotten illness um but uh uh you know when i did get uh als uh to be honest with you guys i didn't even really know what it was like I, I, I knew that it, it was in the MS field mm. or family, but I, I didn't know what it was. And uh, so if I didn't know what it was, a lot of people probably didn't. Uh, but now that we've, we've come through June, I think through social media and Lou Gehrig Day and the, the NLS walk on the, on the 20th, I think at least the awareness is out there more, which, which uh, was our goal. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was quite a, it's quite a story how it happened to me, but uh, uh, which I can share with you guys. Um, but uh, back in back in two th- and, and believe me, uh, before I started these symptoms, I was in pretty good shape. Like I I golfed all the time and uh, worked out all the time, and uh, I wasn't overweight or anything like that. I probably didn't eat that well, but um, I don't know that a lot of people do. <laughs> So, no. you know, back in, in, in 2015, uh, I was sitting on a beach in Bahamas with my wife and daughter, and there was uh, some twitching in my right bicep. And 
it was quite predominant and it kept going all day long. It, it wasn't like after a workout or, or, or something like that, that you twitch for a while. It just wouldn't stop. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I started thinking like, could it be coffee? Mm-hmm. Because think about this in, in 2015, I would have been, well, what am I? 63 now. So around 57. And I never had a sip of coffee in my life. What? Okay. Wow. And then at 57, <laughs> I just started drinking it. And, and I would have, I got to the point where I was having a couple a day. So I was about three weeks into that coffee thing and the twitching started. And I thought, could it be coffee? Yeah. And I mean, it would, you know, jump in your head, right? Of course. Yeah, and and so thing. we started researching a little bit and we found a lot of interesting things about coffee. But anyways, uh, to fast forward, um, I remember uh, back then I was reading a book, uh, Bob McKenzie's book. I can't remember the name of it, but I was reading a chapter about Coley Campbell, you know, one of the VPs of the league, because he's a good friend of mine from Peterborough. Yep. And uh, I was reading about how he almost died on his farm where his, uh, his uh, a tractor he was driving on the pond, clearing the snow, broke the ice. And, and he barely got out of that alive. So, and I told him on the phone what was going on. And he said, well, he said, well, you better get that thing checked out. So off I went and three years, three years of testing everywhere from Mayo Clinic in Arizona to rheumatologists, EMGs, blood work, uh, on and on. And nobody could diagnose it. They actually thought it was Lyme disease Mm. because Lyme disease, Lyme disease, Chad, is a mirror image of this. So... So we thought it was that, and I had a positive test result, but it turned out to be false positive. So fast forward to 2018, and uh, you know, my wife and I were at Sunnybrook in, in Toronto, and the head of ALS Canada came in and told us, and said, this is what you've got, um, which was just, uh, like it just hit us like a ton of bricks. I can imagine. Uh, but you know, even though in the back of our head, we thought it could be this, you know, you just don't believe it till someone tells you. So obviously it was, uh, you know, in 10 seconds, our world crashed. And, uh, you know, when we left the room, um, you know, I was kind of numb. My wife was very upset, obviously, uh, because all your future plans, right, go right That's out right. the window that mm-hmm. you've been planning. You know, you get through three kids and you're going, okay, this is going to be great. And then all of a sudden you got this. So... You know, that night I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, okay, well, you've got this thing. So you got two choices. You can go in the corner and you can cry and be depressed and and just not be a very likable person. Or you can face it head on and say, look, uh, I don't want to be treated any different. If anybody comes up to me and feels sorry for me or a pity party, I'm going to stop them right in their tracks. I don't want to change. I want to laugh. I want to be chirped. I want to chirp people. I, I want to, nothing to change. Yes. And so that's, that's the uh, direction that I decided to go. And, uh, um, you know, but then I did go quiet for, for a couple of years because I was worried that my real estate career would be affected by this. Um, but, you know, that's basically how it started. And uh, that's how I decided that I, I would go. Yeah, and that must be very helpful for your family having that positive attitude. Chad, it was, uh, yes, 100%, because if I'm depressed, they're down, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, 
It does, but I'm going to tell you right up front that when someone gets diagnosed with something like this and their muscles start to fail, and in my case, it was like a clock. It went from right arm, left arm, left leg, right leg. Um, when you start to uh, weaken, then guess where the brunt goes? Right onto the family. Yeah. And so the impact is from, on me, but the impact is also on the family big time because they're the extension of me, right? That's right. And so that's that's so I'm very proud of them how they're dealing with this uh, because it's, it, it it must be very difficult for them as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Well, so, I, I guess I'll I'll start the the, the question section. Sure. Yeah. Um, knowing how quickly it advances through the body, like how have you been able to handle that and and the adversities that go along with that? Well. It, it, it does, like, in, you know, it, it moves through uh, the body different for everybody, right? And I'm on a couple treatments right now that I've been on. One I've been on for two and a half years from Japan that's supposed to slow the progress. But, but no one ever really knows if it does slow the progress or not. Um, but the, the key with this kind of an illness is stay ahead of the curve. And, you know, people told us in the very beginning that you know, don't be surprised if it's uh, if it's going to be a couple hundred thousand dollars to uh, beginning to end, and I get that now. Like the chair I'm in right now is twenty five thousand. That's a right? Honda Civic. It's just I know it's, it's like it's like a right? it's like an old like Raymond Burr Ironside, an old TV show thing. This yeah. thing this thing does everything but give you coffee in the morning. <laughs> but but you know what? The if you stay ahead of the curve it makes life a lot easier because overnight things can change. Yeah. Okay. And in my case, uh, you know, I had uh, some pretty humbling accidents with this. I'll share a couple with you. One in particular, um, I remember going up the stairs and uh, it's a bit of a queasy story, but I went up the stairs, 16 risers hmm. when I was showing a house and uh, the client was out the backyard and my right leg was still about 90%, right? The left was pretty weak. So I go up right foot forward, right foot forward, right foot forward. And I get to the top. And what do you think I do? I go left foot forward. And then all oh. of a sudden I start to tilt and I got my suit jacket on. And of course my hands, they can't grip anything, right? Oh, no. So I start to go down. I put my hands on my head and I, guys, I went down like a bowling ball. And I went down the, the carpet stairs. I lied on the ground at the bottom in like a fetal position. And, and the first thing that popped into my head was those TV shows, you know, LA Law and all those ones like where they chalk you when you're in the middle of the road. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm lying there and I'm going, am I alive? Am I alive or am I breathing or what's going on? And so I kind of, my heart was racing and I thought, oh shit, my client's outside. So I, I kind of, I went onto my hands and knees and I crawled back to the stairs and I got up. And somehow I got back upstairs. I skipped by to the client, went home. And you know what? For seven days, it was like someone broke my ribs, my back. Oh, no. My head was skinned at the top. Uh, the hair came right off my head. And oh, so God. it was brutal. But guess what? I didn't break anything. Wow. I didn't break a bone I, or nothing. I, I said to Daryl Sittler, I said, you know what it was like? I said, it was like 1978 being in the corner 
with the Broad Street Bullies and all four hit you at once. I said, that's what it was like. And, and he just laughed. But anyway, so that was one of the harrowing stories. And one other real quick one was I did fall at night uh, turning off the, uh, I was turning off something on the TV or adjusting something on the TV. And I fell backwards onto the ground and uh, hit my head on the coffee table. Oh, so, God. you know, it, and, and it's, it's crazy because um, I was telling this story to a couple goalies on a Zoom and Chico Resch says, well, he's going to send me his hockey helmet, his goalie mask. So that way I can <laughs> fall in any direction. <laughs> so, yeah, so at the end of the day, guys, there's been some accidents, some falls, but, yeah. um, you know, now I'm not walking anymore. So there's no danger of that. Um, but, but some of those uh, falls are, you know, are pretty tough for me to deal with and tough for the family to deal with, right? And, and you don't hear about those, actually. When I hear about ALS, nobody talks about the accidents of when the body's starting to deplete a bit. And you, you don't hear about those. And, you don't, you don't uh, hear about it. I'm going to remember yeah. that now, just going ahead, especially like I'm more used to being around MS uh, with my friends, parents and stuff like that. And I've seen that right. happen. And uh, right. that's, I guess, when uh, the whole AL, the ice bucket challenge came out, it kind of like, okay, so this is a lot like that. It's just, it's just taking you away, right? Piece by piece. It, it, it does. And, uh, but like I said, I've got all the, I've, I've got a renovated bathroom where I have a shower commode. My bed goes up and down all around. I got this chair. So I'm pretty well under control as far as transferring goes and stuff. But I still have my moments, right? Yeah. But, uh, but I'm that. out of the danger thing. I do tell, I do tell people that that uh, get diagnosed with ALS. Um, I tell them to watch out for stairs for sure. Definitely. And uh, I, I, I find myself, I find myself with a list of people that I, I, I'm seeing. You know, I get a call from somebody and says, "It says, hey, I have a friend that has ALS. Can you talk to him?" Right? And my list is starting to grow. Oh. And, and you know what I remember, guys? I remember back Roger Nielsen, who was a very, very close friend of mine. And Roger, when he was dying of cancer, he had a two pages of names and phone numbers. And I asked him what that was. And he said, these are cancer people that I need to call and, uh, and lift them up. And I never forgot that. And now my list oh. is starting to grow for this. So yeah, isn't that interesting? Eh? It's, it's really funny. We had Theo Fleury on the podcast when well, I was a couple months back now. And yeah, be same thing. It's exactly yeah. the same message. I mean, he's come through a whole different type of trauma. He's physically well, but men his mental well-being is is ha or was for a very long time in the toilet. You know, uh, oh, yeah. but now, he, now he's you know recuperated himself, uh, and and now he's starting to help others. And same mm -hmm. deal. He's constantly getting messages, you know, of that variety, and he's doing what he can. And and I think that in itself has got to be a little bit uh, a little bit therapeutic for you. Would you say? Um, yeah, it is. It is for sure. Um, I, it's, it can be a little bit emotional when the other person is, uh, is emotional. Yeah. Uh, for example, I had a call from a, from a, a guy from grade seven. I was on the relay team with him back in public school. And uh, I kind of remembered the name, but you know, not that well. And he said, look, I was diagnosed last week and I'm scared to death. I don't know what to do. You know, that's a tough one to answer, right? That's right. But you know what you do is you just tell them, say, guys, you, you have the choice. You can be positive or negative. So you got to be absolutely ultra positive and you got to will yourself. Like I, the three rules I follow, 
our faith. You have to have a strong faith and a very strong family. And you got to have a good support group of friends. If you got those three things, you can you can will yourself to last a lot longer than than most. Yeah. And guys, uh, two to five years is the average uh, lifespan. But there's also uh, patients that have gone ten years, fifteen years. And I, between the three of us, that's the category I want to be in. Yeah, I don't want to be in the other one. Uh, we're not going to get the chalk out yet. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. Speaking of friends, I mean, you, you mentioned a support group. I mean, the hockey community as a whole has come and surrounded you wholeheartedly recently, especially. Um, it was capped for me. I mean, like I said, I had seen your name on social media all over different podcasts. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. The Real Kipper. Uh, there's a b- bunch of them that, that you've, you've been on. Uh, but it really uh, culminated for me uh, during one of the playoff games there with Ron McLean. And uh, and he mentioned you and, and, and your, your struggle and your – uh, I shouldn't say struggle. Your 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 fight against, and uh, yeah. I mean that was that that had to be a a, a very much appreciated moment, was it not? For to see that yeah, on the television. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually right here. I was in front of my computer, and I think I was watching uh, an NBA game on one screen, and I was and I had the Leaf one on the other one. But I, I think I just flipped off it, and then the background, I heard my kids laughing. They were watching the big screen. They said, "Get your camera! Get your camera!" And I guess Ron had, uh, well, I saw it, I've seen it since, but Ron held up that uh, Help Kurtz and ALS shirt, which was really kind of out of the blue. Like I know Ron from Oakville, we're from the same area, we live in the same area, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I think that he was gonna uh, do the ALS promo closer to the walk. So it was surprising that he brought it out there and kind of ironic or, or we were lucky in a sense that there was overtime, right? Mm-hmm. Because if there wasn't overtime, would he have done it next game? Maybe. But yeah. what an opportunity. And there was 4.8 million uh, watching that. Yeah. And and what happened the next day was ALS Canada, one of the groups I'm a member of, uh, the, the office was just buzzing, right? I mean, how, how can you get more awareness than that? Hockey Night in Canada leaves Canadians? Oh, man. Ron, Ron was, knew exactly it, what he was doing. You know, prime time. Now, the funny thing between the three of us is that he, uh, the story he told and the story he told on my video promo campaign, uh, he said, oh, yeah, uh, I said, Mark's dad used, uh, built him a gym in the garage when he was 13 and lifting weights. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah. um, really, he kind of got the story mixed up. I was 16 and it was in Toronto, not Regina. <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I was lifting weights. Uh, and my dad put the gym in the garage and stuff. So I had to giggle about that, but I never did tell him that, hey, Ryan, you know what? You're off a little bit on the story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least at least the main uh, message was was put out there. And and uh, the, the social media Ryan campaign was, started with just one, um, one former player, Wendell Clark. I reached out to Wendell. Within about 20 minutes, his video was on my lap. And then I started thinking, you know what? I know a lot of people from all the teams I've been on. I'm going to start reaching, and same with media. I'm going to reach out to everybody and see where this goes. And do you know what? I got 30, 30 wow. videos. And the 30th one was, uh, was uh, Glenn Healy, right? The, the, the president of the NHL alumni. Yeah. And uh, I had a call yesterday from uh, Kelly Rudy, and he's got one coming. Uh, so 
think about it, 30 videos, two a day, I put out in June. And then I had guys like Doug McLean and, and Kipper and uh, John Shannon and Steve Simmons. And, and they, were re- the day, yeah. they were retweeting. Yeah. So when you, that's where it took a life of its own. And I think they all got involved. And these Excellent. are not names people don't know. Like Don Cherry and Ron McLean put out nice ones. And uh, a funny story is I, I, when I was sending out uh, some thank yous to guys that were doing or what have you and telling them how it was going to work, I said in one line, I said, geez, I better not put Ron McLean and Don Cherry's out back to back. And then, you know what? I pushed the button. And then I realized what I'd done because oh, no. those emails went to those two guys too. So guess what happened? About 10 seconds later, Ron McLean's bounced back to me. And I went, thank the Lord. So I took that line right out of there and sent it back to Ron. <laughs> yeah, because you know what it's like in social media. If you push, oh, someone, yeah. you push someone, go, oops, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, anyways, so, so what happened was these 30 got out there and huge, huge response, massive. And, uh, and lots of views. Like I started with my own. And mine had about fifty thousand, I think, and uh, and then and then I had this idea, and I thought maybe I should send each one of these guys a, a t-shirt, and on the back, I'll put the total number of views that their video had, and then I'll rank them and send it all to the guys. Just oh, for that's a awesome. Hope you do it. Well, yeah, and you know, you know what? You know who had a, a lot was Bruce Boudreaux, and do you know why? Because Gabby is so salt to the earth, man. He, I've known him forever since we were 19. He, he came on and just winged it. He didn't read a script. He just winged it. And, and everybody loves that. Right. Yeah. So he, he was up there with Ron McLean on the number of views. Wow. So, so Ryan, it was a great program. It was a success. And, uh, um, I think what I'm going to do with it, I haven't thought it all the way through, but I may stitch them together somehow with the best of each one and put it together with a very impactful story and start to go after the government. Yeah. And that's a whole different animal because that's that's our biggest uh, uh, beef right now. And uh, so that's the next in line. Is, is there any amount of government subsidy for you guys for well, when it comes to, I mean, obviously you talked about your equipment that you need alone. Is there any, any programs available to, to help? Uh, well, ALS Canada, um, like when we do this fundraising for the walk that we just did, Sixty yep. percent of the uh, of the fundraising goes to uh, uh, equipment, rental pools, yeah. uh, admin staff, all that stuff, and then forty percent goes to research, and then Brain Canada matches the forty percent. Well, so nice. that's how that works. That's now, okay. equipment-wise, for the average person, this chair I'm in right now, uh, the government covers um, about you know, sixteen grand of the twenty-five grand. But this is the only really, this is the only thing they cover. The rest of the stuff is out of my pocket. Yeah. So, oh, really? Yeah. So it's, it's not, making your house accessible. There's not a lot. No, they so, don't cover. So, yeah, it's not yeah, very much. Yeah, Actually, I, I should say one thing, Chad. They do cover a one-time twenty-five hundred dollars uh, on any kind of a rental. So just those two things, guys. That's all they cover. That's not much. Oh, I know. Well, it's important I know. for the general public to know that it's not just the, uh, 
it's not just the, the disease which which has the impact on the person but but financially and how it can impact their life outside of oh. of the physical disability that it creates is uh, is, is immense as well so uh when you're uh, when you're looking for somewhere to uh, to dump your donations guys make sure uh, make sure to keep that in, in the back of your mind yeah, I was going to say about the awareness, um, you know, you can do the ice bucket challenges and the walks and stuff. And that's all great for awareness and research. But I think what seems to be happening is you need a lot of pressure on the government to uh, start doing more about this and uh, making this a lot more comfortable for people. Yeah, the, the three main asks of ALS Canada and the other group that I'm a part of, that I'm really proud of, is ALS Action Canada. And that's a patient-led group. Um, and if you ever want a, a powerful um, video, um, the leader of that, his name is Dean, and he's doing a 28-hour walk, or he did that in Ottawa, and he can yeah. barely walk. Um, he's just a warrior. Uh, but those are the two groups that I'm a part of, and, and the asks are the same. Uh, ALS awareness is number one. Uh, number two, and it's number two is critical because it's uh, the government creating faster pathways to get the treatment right through the approval process and into our bodies fast. And, and, and it, so far it's been like two years. Like when they have a treatment in the States, it goes through FDA, goes through Health Canada, goes through provincials individually, and then into us. And it's two years. We don't have, a lot of ALS people don't have that kind of time. No, two to five so years. The government's got to look at this and say, okay, this is a rare disease. We need to have a faster pathway so we can get it in their bodies in three to six months. Mm. So that's a major ask. And yeah. then the third is research money because we need to get some more trials into Canada. Uh, it's been cost prohibitive to bring these trials to Canada. So they go to other countries. Um, and so we have to get better in that area. Those are the three main government asks, but I'll tell you, Chad and Ryan, I've been, you know, you'll see when you go onto my Twitter, you'll see a lot of times I tag Patty Heju, who is the Ministry of Health. And I also, for the Liberals, I also tag the Conservative Critic for Health. And you know what? Not even one peep from Patty about all this work in June. You know, every once in a while you get a COVID thing. Or, hey, guess what? I got my second shot. Well, yeah. come on, like just send something through we're working hard so you work hard that's right and uh, I, I was reading about dean uh, is it gorslan and gorsling and he yes, did the walk yes and i love a, that guy he's great he said it was a, he, he chose 1700 minutes because it was 1700 uh, patients passed away from the time that the drug entered for evaluation to being approved and i mean that's 1700 people that's that's too much and it's a growing it, it's i mean the diagnoses are growing all the time like it's getting more and more three thousand and 3,000 currently in Canada, and it's usually 1,000 come on stream, 1,000 pass away. And then in, in Canada, or sorry, in the world, I believe it's uh, six or 700,000, but it is growing. Like all of a sudden, you know, maybe it's because I have it, but I'm starting to hear about more and more people that have it. And then when I talk to people, they go, geez, you know what? I know people that have it too. So we, we were talking like this 10 years yeah. ago. No, and I'm just wondering, is it the uh, more diagnosis or is it more people getting it? And the, the one I thing I was, gonna, I was going to ask is uh, you were about three years finding out before you got diagnosed. Is that normal? It's a really tough one. Yeah, it is. Mm. I hear this from a lot Too of bad. people. I hear from a lot of people that uh, 
um, you know, it's a tough diagnosis. So, but, you know, like I said to my wife, I said, I, you know, they officially diagnosed me in, in April, 2018. But the reality is I really had it in 2015, right? Yeah. I mean, right. so, so what, it's a moving target. It's a moving date. Yeah. So really I could be, uh, I could be five years into this easy, right? Instead yeah, of three. Yeah, two to five years. And I mean, yeah. it's, wow. So, how many people don't ever get diagnosed? I wonder. I don't know. Well, yeah, exactly. Or missed. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, it, it was, uh, June was a terrific month from, from that perspective. And uh, I'm hoping, um, I'm, I'm jumping around here a bit, but I'm hoping that the NFL will look at this because when I made a list, when I first got this, I obviously wanted to see who else had it. And uh, I came up with about 75 names, you guys, of former athletes that have had ALS or died from it or whatever. And NFL was half of them. And if you guys want to watch a powerful video, Google, yeah, sure. uh, Google Steve McMichael of the Chicago Steve. Bears. He was the, he was the leader of their famous defense in the mid eighties that won the Super Bowl. Yep. Um, and Google hit, he just got diagnosed two months ago and, and he was the toughest. He went into wrestling and stuff. He was one of the toughest guys you ever meet and watch that video. It's powerful. We'll okay. actually, we'll actually link it right down here so people can see it and click on it. Yep. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good that's, one. That's, that's a great one. To and I reached out to him and wished him the best. And, uh, um, and I don't, I haven't, I, I heard back from, uh, from, uh, uh his agent. But, um, you know, I'm sure he's just dealing with it in his own way, like I did at the beginning. I mean, I was pretty quiet the first year and a half because I, I was fearful it would hurt my business, right? So I didn't say anything. And then when I went to Peterborough for a Peterborough reunion in 1978, I went to Memorial Cup. Uh, Gary Green, our coach, said, uh, Kurtz, do you want to, there's a guy that wants to interview you, and he's going to ask you some ALS questions. You okay with that? I said, yeah, no problem. You know, I'd had a couple beers, and I... I didn't think anything was spill the so beans. I, so guess that I would go out there. An hour later, we finish, and he was a great guy. We we asked all kind of, all kinds of questions, and then the next day on Sunday, I'm driving home, and my phone is like lighting up like a Christmas tree. I get home, and my wife looks at me and says, um, "When did you decide you were going to come up with this?" And I said, "Oh, I didn't." I said, "I just had a little interview with a small town newspaper." And she goes, have you ever heard of social media? I said, yeah, yeah. She said, well, it's out there now. And it was okay. everywhere. Wow. Just on that little interview. So it's just so, going to rip the bandaid off there. Yeah. So Chad, I just decided at that point, you know what? I'm going to come out with it. I'm going to use my platform as best I can. And, and just push, 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 um, you know, and, and using the platform. And that's what I've done. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. That's great. So have it, has it affected your career at all? I meant to ask you that earlier no, when you were talking about it. No, has, okay, that's good. what's funny about this. Uh, and no, I can thank COVID for it too, because COVID really landed on my lap. Because think about this. If I was listening to your house, uh, Ryan, I would say to you, okay, do me a favor. Because of COVID and stuff, send me a picture of every room and a picture of the backyard. Because I already know the house, you know, because I've been to this 30 years. I know what your house model is and all that. And we'll do a Zoom presentation. And uh, once we figure out the marketing, the price and all that stuff, then uh, my team will go in and stage it and get it ready to go and what have you. 
but you know what? We sold 58 houses in 2020 and 30 of those were listings and I never set a foot in any one of them. No way. So there you go. All people want to see is, is the guy fine mentally? Is his team strong? Is he successful? Does he have the experience? And then they're, they're fine with it. Isn't that doing, crazy? Doing, doing that in the GTA market. I mean, it's a crazy. lot of money people are spending and that's, uh, it's great to see know. that. that trusting, trusting any NHL hockey player to be fine mentally. <laughs> <I think it's- laughs> yeah, that's true too. But yeah. I'll tell you people, I have a new, I have a new um, appreciation for people in general. And it all started at the gas tanks when my right and left hands were really weak, but I could drive and I was almost out of gas and I was north of Toronto and I'm, it's pouring rain and I'm going, oh, shit, I need gas. I'm not going to make it home. I can't push the gas pump. So I just wheeled into the tank or into the uh, gas station and I tried to squeeze the, the uh, nozzle and I couldn't do it. And I looked around and within 10 seconds, three guys over to help. No way. We'll help you, sir. Yeah, no problem, sir. You go in the car. We'll just, we'll, like, you know what? Right. right from that point on, I thought, hey, it's okay to ask for help, right? Yeah. And and only one guy in real estate pressed me and uh, said, look, I know you are got a respiratory problem or you're worried about it or whatever, but what do you really have? And I told him. I said, hey, I've got ALS. I had it for six years, you know, and nothing's changed business-wise. And you know what? I beat out three other agents for that listing. No way. He didn't care. He says, hey, I, I'm sorry what you've got, but if your performance is there, I'm okay with it. Yeah. So Excellent. you see, so there you yep. go. People are a lot better overall than you think. Yes, and as that's far always as coming to the plate. Well, the thing is, we're, we're notorious in Newfoundland for being very much that way as well. It's oh, quite, yeah. quite, quite commonly, we get the old, uh, in Newfoundland, you don't ask for help, you ask for people to leave you alone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and listen, no one knows that more than me. I mean, yeah. living in the Maritime, and even though it's not Newfoundland or Newfoundland, it's it's still New Brunswick, still Maritime. Yeah, well, yes, yeah. No, it's a it's cultural thing for yeah. us oh, yeah. here. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. So yeah, we fight on L people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually true. You uh, you mentioned earlier though about the uh, the link with the other leagues, the MLB, um, National Football League, and players uh, associated who have ALS. Has there been any connection made between professional athletes and development or is that kind of, um, you know, I look at, obviously when you, you, you get something like this, the first thing that pops in your head, Oh, it's gotta be from concussions. Right. And yeah. you start to think about that. And uh, certainly I had my share of those. I probably had three or four that were real bad. Like one in Chicago, I got carried right off the ice. Oh no! Um, and I, it was like a black and white movie. I remember looking up and, and it was almost like um, people had punch him like fedoras and smoke. And I was like really out of it. <laughs> and, oh, and I remember Tiger Williams and Daryl Sittler came back and told me to stay down. That's because I tried to get up and fell down again. Uh, so whenever I see that now in the NHL where a guy tries to get up and he's wobbly, I think back to that. And uh, anyways, I carried off the ice and was on the ice the next day for practice. Oh, wow. So they handled it different back then. But when I did some research and talked to, uh, you know, a few uh, uh, researchers and stuff, uh, their feeling is this. There's no question it's a risk factor. 
no question. And there is some correlation to uh, concussions, to ALS and, and, uh, and brain injuries, but they don't have anything conclusive yet. Mm. And that seems to be the standard answer. But what they told me is they do have research um, working currently in those areas to see if they can draw some conclusions. So that's basically the answer that, that uh, I've been giving. Um, but, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to see that the NFL, they bang every play, right? They got a lot yeah. of guys. Yeah. So it probably is and does have something to do with it. But there's people, there's, there's people, Ryan, that don't, that never played sports in their life and never had a concussion. They got ALS yeah. as well. Yeah. Same same argument for uh, the non-smoker to get lung cancer. It's exactly. Just, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we're a biological bag of organs. Is what we're you know things are going to go wrong. Well, and everybody's going to get hit with something, right? Yeah. That's and right. Uh, yeah, so I, I think so. You know, that's my answer on the uh, concussion thing. But as long as I'm not ignoring that, and because it's neurological, and yeah, the, you just can't ignore anymore. Don't do that. That's right. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. Absolutely. So what about positive developments going forward with regard to research and or treatment? What, what, what are we seeing out there right now? Um, there's only two drugs right now that are out there. And uh, and like I said, one's from Japan uh, that's been approved called Adaravone. And there's another one that's a pill you take morning and night, which I've actually stopped because it does affect your liver a little bit. Mm. So I stopped that one for a while and I may go back on it a little later. But um, there's two promising ones coming down the pipe. One is, is called Amex, and uh, it's for approval for Health Canada right now. It's been submitted, so we're all watching it really closely to see what kind of pathway it's going to take and how long it'll take to get into us. Uh, but there's another one called Neuron that um, I just retweeted out an article about an hour ago about that one, and uh, they swear by it in the States. Uh, but they got turned down by the uh, FDA. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on. But guys, I, I really think that, you know, it really should be our choice whether we want to take these experimental. If they get to yeah. phase three and there's no real danger, um, why why get it caught up in red tape? Why not give us the choice to try it, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. No. So, But I mean, I think overall, that's positive. Um the fact that there's 160 drug companies in the ALS space around the world. There's about 80 trials going on with different drugs and different solutions. There's a couple big ones at Sunnybrook right now yep. that uh, I want to be a part of one of them eventually. Um, so there's lots of good stuff going there. And then, of course, our ALS awareness on the three asks that I mentioned earlier to go after the government uh, is the next next thing on our agenda yeah and also sad because i get into the other podcasts and of course the famous joe rogan but i remember hearing the the neural link episode with elon musk where he's actually going to implant things in people's brains with these little wires that go in and kind of fix strokes uh parkinson's possibly als and all that stuff it's that's going to be a that's a long shot one compared to like the drugs are testing out but uh interesting uh to say the least i'm going to look that one up after because i can't remember them mentioning als with that yeah, if you do see that, shoot it through to me. 
Oh, it definitely will. It's uh, I know it's a, he he calls it it's like a Fitbit for your skull, and they just really implant yeah. it wherever the the problem is, and uh, really just. Well, I know Brett Peterson. Do you remember him? He played in the NHL for a while. I played with him in Detroit, and then mm-hmm. he was assistant coach in Nashville when Nashville came in the league. Uh, and then I think he's still doing the color for Nashville. He has Parkinson's, and he got to the point where he couldn't walk at all. And uh, they did something like that, uh, Chad, to him. Um, and it turned him right around. Oh, he could, wow. Now he could walk, he could talk, and uh, things really improved. But uh, uh, so, you know what, there, there's always, but that was experimental, and he tried it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, something experimental like that, and the same thing with this neural link. Um, yeah, that would be interesting because they, they can, he claims it's going to uh, fix the effects of a stroke or uh, yeah. head trauma and stuff like that. It's just going to spark up and make that part of the brain work right again. Exactly. Exactly. The drugs are one thing, and I know with MS they were doing the stints and like people going to Poland and trying all that stuff. And my friend's mother did, and it worked a little bit at first. And it's just, it's not getting to the up here. It don't seem to be. Well, that's what the Sunnybrook uh, one is. It's called a focused blood barrier ultrasound, and that's what they do. You go into an MRI for about ninety minutes, and they open up the uh, blood barrier that goes around your brain. And they did phase one was just to open it up and close it and see if there was any uh, problems with the patient, which there wasn't. And phase two is to actually put a drug in there. And they're just getting ready to do phase two next month, actually. Uh, So we'll see what happens there. The problem with me, I would be in that one, except I can't lie on my back for 90 minutes because I can't breathe. Like when I lie on my back, my diaphragm flattens and uh, it's hard to breathe. And so I wear a BiPAP at night, um, you know, and, but they won't let me lie on my side and they won't give me air in the MRI. So I'm kind of out of that one. So I have to have an upright MRI machine. It's like what I'm sitting in, but they don't exist. They exist in Israel and a couple other areas, but they yeah, don't, don't have any in Canada. So I, you know, much it, it's fine. So if I ever win a lot, if I win the lottery on uh, Friday, yeah, I think it's 170 mil or something, the max. Something like that. Yeah, so if I win that, first thing I'm going to do is get the $10 million uh, upright MRI machine built yeah. in Israel and sent here. Then yeah. I can do that test. Perfect. Got so to bring a doctor go. over that knows how to use it. All yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess the big thing, and I, I mean, we can cap the ALS portion of the chat with this. What is it that, the general public can do because i mean that's your that's your strongest voice right now what is it that we can do to help you guys along in, in your fight well i think i think now that uh they know what it is or have a sense of what it is they also understand that it is the forgotten illness they also understand that because i've said it numerous times that our fearless leaders like the ice bucket guys you know they go hard they build momentum and they die and then that disappears um, and it happens over and over and over again. So there's always a restart with this mm-hmm. illness. Like even uh, um, Wallach, Brian Wallach from IMALS in the States, which is massive, he's not looking great right now. So once, you know, so it's really difficult to keep the momentum going. So I think the general public, when they, they see a, um, a petition going around for something or, or, or something that they can stand behind, uh, they got to get loud and stand behind it and help us, hmm. you know, because we're we're doing everything we can 
to create the awareness, but now we need help um, to support us. And uh, I can tell you the government, uh, it's been very disappointing because back in 2017, they lost one of their own at the house and uh, he battled, man, this guy battled for years with ALS and went to work every day. And so they, they had a motion 105 bill put through when he died and said that every year they would create awareness and research funds and what have you. They haven't done nothing from 2017 on. And, and then the, the next thing was we just got 26,000 Canadians to sign a petition to create um, a pilot program for a faster pathway, three to six months. And you know what? It's, it's kind of been pushed aside, all right? And, and uh, it, like we never did it. 26,000 people signed this petition. So thank goodness we have what's called an ALS caucus in the house. And they are M MPPs that uh, have, have uh, taken on the ALS fight and uh, they push the government for us. But you can see in those two examples how difficult it is dealing with the government. Oh, yeah. So you almost need to crawl up their steps and, and yeah. have every reporter there in Ottawa, you know, and, and really yeah. make it like, like Dean's doing. Yeah. Right? Putting the pressure on. I mean, it's hard yeah. to ignore a man with ALS walking 1,700 minutes nonstop pretty much. Oh, man, that guy, it's unbelievable. But yeah, it's a veteran too, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he is a veteran. So, yeah. so I guess to sum things up, guys, is, um, uh, you know, you're only, you're only uh, uh, like time is, is a valuable commodity, right? Mm -hmm. And you're only, and a lot of people take it for granted. Uh, but with people with ALS, it's kind of a death sentence. Yeah. And so people need to realize that and, uh, and how difficult it is uh, and hard on the families and stuff. And uh, we just want the support to help help the fight. And I mean, I've got a lot of social media in behind it now. So yeah. it's a good start. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, one last thing with the, yeah. with, with the public support, where, where should the, the public be going? Where should we be pointing people to go to donate well, their, their, their raised, monetary? Yeah, I raised about 80,000 in, in a month for uh, ALS Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and so I switched over to Sunnybrook ALS research and I think I'm around seven or 10,000, but we do have uh, quite a bit of money still to come in on that. Okay. So if I could, I would love to send you guys a link yep. for Sunnybrook. And, uh, if anybody is, is inclined to donate right into the research, that would be appreciated. Oh, look, poof. Okay. We got the link. It's right. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the that's the magic of pre-recording a podcast, folks. It's oh, there you right go. Right the, there. But not the ALS one. The uh, the Sunnybrook one. Yeah. Sunnybrook. Sunnybrook yeah. website is right there on the screen. Awesome. Okay, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Boy, you um, guys are techie. No, oh, listen. That's that's hot. That's the that's the magic of media. Um, well, I guess, Mark, if, if it's cool with you, we can run into some some hockey stuff. Some uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no worries. Yep, that's fine. Well, you mentioned you name dropped a few people along the way that we definitely want to talk about. Um, you mentioned Roger Nilsson and you ran into Roger, I guess, first in your time with the Peets. Would that be fair? Actually before that, no, I, uh, back when I was about 15, I was playing midget hockey and, uh, my dad suggested I, I, uh, write a letter to all the hockey schools around 
if I wanted to be on the ice all summer, because back then you only went on in August and went into camp, right? Now it's all year round. So I wrote a letter to all the camps, the Orwalt and Dave Keon, all these. The only guy that responded was Roger. And he came out and met my parents and uh, said, look, I'm looking for, you know, a couple gophers to tie hockey skates. And, you know, they, you can live at, at, at his cottage uh, north of Peterborough and, uh, you know, work six weeks. I had a perfect opportunity. So off I went. And Greg Millen, uh, the goaltender, was another guy that he recruited for that. And then Roger drafted. So I was there a couple summers. And then he drafted me into Peterborough and drafted me into Toronto and traded uh, for me into Vancouver. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we actually named our oldest son after Roger. Uh, it's it's uh, Taylor Nielsen Curtin because mm -hmm. uh, he meant so much to us. But Roger... Um, you know, you guys and everybody else would have seen him out in the coaching world and stuff. It was really something to see him away from the ring, you know, and, and living at his cottage. So it was, it was just an awesome, awesome teenage uh, opportunity, you know. Yeah. yeah that... No, he he was a colorful guy. I had some interesting ideas along the way too as a coach. I've I've heard all, a lot, not a lot, but I've heard several Roger Nelson stories, and I always find them entertaining because you can almost I can almost visualize the story coming to life, you know. But uh, yeah, there's a million of them, especially our first year because we lost. We only won about ten games my first year junior, yeah, and then Roger went on to pro after that in Dallas, I think, and then Toronto. But um, yeah, we had some funny stories. We got beat like by double figures so many times. And uh, I, I just remember uh, the story. I, I love telling the story up in Sault Ste. Marie. Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds was a junior team. And they uh, every time they scored, they had a Greyhound. It was on a kind of a track up in the ceiling. And it would chug them across the, uh, across the ceiling and what have you. So uh, Roger sent Dick Todd, our trainer, who actually Dick went on and coached in the NHL, right? Uh, so Dick went up there and crawled at the top after a morning skate and he put a padlock on the thing. <laughs> so, the, so what happened was they got the first goal in about a minute and a half into the game and the thing would go cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching and it stopped. And the Sault Ste. Marie bench looked up and we looked up and their bench looked at us and then they all started laughing. Like they beat us 11-1 or something and um, Roger pulled the goalie in the last minute and we scored, so... It's 11 nothing. <laughs> that sounds a bit we, we were so bad you guys that year that he made us he made us stay and he made us for a month after the season ended we had to play against all the small towns north of peterborough oh no way <laughs> like think about that so we got our you know our our peterborough pizza uh, uh jerseys and what have you and we're going this town was crazy like all the nuts nutty guys came out and of course, the home team was running the crap out of us or trying to, and it yeah. just, it was painful for eight games. And I think he did it on purpose after we had such a poor year. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's a hard way to cap off the season. Oh, it was. Probably the only junior team that's ever had to do that. I, I'm surprised that we were even allowed to do that. No, you won't be today. No, that wouldn't, I wouldn't have today. But it was a tough year, and then my last year, we had a great team, so that's sometimes how it works in junior three-year cycles. Yeah. I mainly looked at the, uh, the 79 roster. I was just like, Oh yeah. yeah. 
that's everybody's there. And like, I'm looking at all these ones that I'd learned about from my dad, and my uncles growing up. You already said Boudreaux and Lanny and Sittler, but uh, Salming and Tiger Williams were like a couple of the ones that stand out to me that I like. Uh, how are they yeah. like? Tiger was my winger in Toronto and Vancouver. Yeah, um, yeah he was great. Tiger um, in Vancouver, uh, the year I was there was the year after they had the towel power with Roger when they went to the Stanley Cup yeah. final against the Islanders. Waving the flag. Yeah, and I got traded for uh, Ivan Boulder, which, which I knew would be problematic. He was a pretty important player for them. He'd have 70, 80 points and yeah. and Rogers trading for a checker like me. Yeah. So it was a bit of a bit stressful from that perspective. But then what was good is Tiger and Ron DeLorme and I, as a line, played phenomenal. Like into the playoffs against Calgary, it was uh, Stan Schmiel, Darcy Rhoda, and Gradine's line, and us. He was going with two lines. We were that good. Now, wow. now sometimes guys in the playoffs in the NHL, uh, not sometimes, all the time, uh, I remember Tiger saying, hey, it's going to speed up a lot. I said, like, how fast? He says, it might be five to ten times faster than what you're used to. But I didn't believe him. And you know what? First shift was insane. And I go, oh, I get it now. Everybody's playing serious, yeah. And uh, for it got to it got to the point where I just found a zone. Like I I was doing stuff that I'd never done in my career. Like I was making passes, like Gretzky would make a pass in a sense that he had this peripheral vision that he put the puck in an area where he knew a guy would get to. Well, I was making passes like that, so and that's not me. So you get in a zone. And if you're in that zone, and we were in that zone the whole playoff, it was awesome. No, it was awesome. awesome. With Tiger. level hockey. Oh, yeah. Chad, I got, a, uh, I got a video clip here. I'm going to flash up on the screen. Right. Uh, let me just share the screen with you guys. Before we get any further into this, I want to I want you to give us your remember your, your memory of this particular this particular play. I think you probably know where this one was going. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, with uh, Turnbull, yeah. Do you have, do we have sound there, Chad? Yep. A little bit. Yeah, I shot that one with my eyes closed, you guys. <laughs> you, you know why that that one? It, it's interesting when you watch that because see the size of the goalies. Yeah, like I know. Pretty small, eh? Yeah. But, but yeah. you know, um, what that doesn't tell you is the next game, I lost a face off in my own end late in the game, and I went out to the point which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to stay in the center. And it went back to the center and top shelf and down to the minors. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But you know, it it uh, yeah, that was definitely a thrill. I mean, that was my first shot, first game, right? Yeah. yeah. So it was definitely a thrill, and that was such a great team. That team was about two or three players away from challenging for the cup. Yeah. And then Harold dismantled it. You know, nobody was yes. going to beat Montreal then. I mean, they were so strong. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, uh, I thought it was in a good spot. And then he destroyed the team. And then I got traded to Detroit. 
you know, and, and sometimes when a team's not doing well, or most of the time, uh, it's usually because the core is not playing well. Yeah. But they don't change the core. They change the third and fourth liners all the time. It's easier. And the coach. And the coach. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, well, we're seeing yeah. that modern day in Toronto. I mean, it's obviously not working, and, and, and they're trying everything but for obvious reasons, you don't want to trade away your future either, if if that's what's going to happen. But um, but they try everything but until uh, until it's usually too late and until the know, contracts are done. Yeah. yeah, they may have to like an interesting analogy. One of uh, my wingers who does the color, Paul Woods, is my winger in Detroit. He does the color for Detroit. He said, "Take a look at the Islander lineup," and he said, "There's not one guy that was in the top thirty in scoring," and. You take a look at their team and how balanced they are other than the last game. Um, and you look at our team, Toronto. Uh, we got four guys, right? Our big four. We're not going to go anywhere with just the big four. No. Right? I mean, you need – you in order in the playoffs to, to like get to the semis, you got to have a strong, strong goalie, and you've got to have a couple horses on defense – and you got to have good balance to your four lines. And I don't think it's a secret either about coaching. You got to uh, look at the Islander coach and GM. Guys have been around and they're winners. Yep. You know, I mean, look at uh, Trotz. He, he won in Washington, right? Mm. I mean, they know the secret to success and so does Lou. And so I'm not sure, like Kyle, like the way the game is being played still, um, it's still very physical and the referees let a lot go in the playoffs. So we have the, we have a great team for regular season, but we're not built for the playoffs at all. No, no. See, uh... They made some mistakes because if you look at Montreal and you look at what Caulfield and uh, Suzuki are Suzuki. doing, it kind of makes you think as much as we love Simmons and, and Jumbo you know, wouldn't we have been better off with Nick Robertson in there? 100%. Peter yeah. Rowe and we're, a couple big, of young guys. Yeah, right? we're big Robertson fans. We're big on well, him. It could have been a couple of young guys in there mm -hmm. that might have got a big goal here and there. So I think I think that uh, Kyle and, and Sheldon are going to have to, and, and Shani are going to have to look at these last four teams and and say, we got to be building like those guys. Yeah, I was fond so, in the last few years, it gets a little bit more to that. Like they add a little bit more grit. Now with Felino and Riley Nash coming in and neither one being healthy and Simmons getting hurt, breaking his wrist, it kind of took the steam out of that idea. But no use, Chad, right? We, yeah. we didn't have enough uh, young, eager guys that were talented like Nick. Yeah, that's right. And, right? Uh, and I think it look at look at Caulfield. Caulfield's playing amazing. Yeah, he's playing with all kinds of swagger. You know, he's enjoying sure himself. Is. Nobody's hit. Oh, yeah. He's been put in a position to succeed as well. I mean, it's one thing yeah. to bring up these guys with, like, bring up a Nick Robertson, yes, but don't bring him up and put him on the third line and give him ten minutes. Right game. on. He's, He's not checking. Give him right. the opportunity to to wow people and those players. Do what will. he does best. Yeah, do what he does best. And I find with uh, Suzuki, I mean, I'm enjoying watching him all the time, and I hate to say he's yeah. a fan, but that pass he made last night with uh, Stahl yeah. coming off the bench, I'm like, see, that's what I want in my life. Yeah. That's what I want, and Carey Price wouldn't be bad either, but. It's painful, guys. It's painful to be yeah. part of Leaf Nation right now, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. But you know what? I found 2013, I changed, I think, as a person. And I, it'll never be able to hurt me again like that. Now, I'm very much invested. Obviously, I'm still very much more involved in hockey than I ever was. But I'm not kicking a propane fireplace off my patio this time. You know, yeah. I'm not. 
Yeah, Murdy no, I know. Yeah. Terrible it's tough. place apart. I, I was on the uh, McCallum and Shannon podcast the day after they lost. And uh, we spent about half an hour talking about what's wrong with the Leafs before we even got into the ALS stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I said to Bobcat, I said, you know, I said, uh, like the first answer I had was, listen, if you if you know you're against Carey Price and you got a chance to win game five or six and close it out, you better do it. Because if yeah. you're going to play game seven against him, it ain't going to be pretty. Is that you, you mean to me? Game six at overtime, it's like we already lost. Like Carey Price is laughing at you now. You're right oh. in his wheelhouse. He's squaring up with every shot, and you're not doing anything different to get in his face. So I was like, you already yeah. lost. And, and then Montreal Price, gets the lead, and then they collapse all the guys into the slot. That's right. And you end up shooting through about, you know, ten ten legs. Trying and it goes carry. right to, and it goes right into his chest when you do and get. He it holds it. Oh no, I know yeah. we're seeing it over no, and over mean, again. And I'm not like, I don't know, everyone's so mad and they're talking about the Leafs with no heart and no competitiveness. I'm like, you know, they really do want to win just as bad as anyone else. They just don't know how to yet. They haven't figured it out because yeah. if you haven't noticed, it's a pretty hard sport and they're at the elite level with 31 other teams trying to do the exact same thing. Yeah, everybody tried, guys. Every, everybody tries hard. Yeah. Um, and the injuries yeah. happened. The Tavares thing yeah. happened. And then, like, it's just, it's a lot of we factors. Probably, we probably would, with Muzzin and Tavares on lineup, we probably would have squeaked through. I think so. I don't even know I, if it was squeaked. I, I called for a sweep, and I, I really believe that. And I said, the only thing that will stop us is Carey Price, but he's not playing that well until he did. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it, man. It's a, it's a funny thing. The playoffs is not even the same sport of hockey. It's just a different yeah. beat altogether. And uh, I mean, I feel snake bitten like everybody else. Same result, first round exit, game seven, except yeah. it's a have this time. I mean, I get it, but I am not wallowing and ruining my summer again. Like I did in no, 2013. I, no, I, I hear you. And Ryan, you know what? You nailed it when you said, uh, you know, Nick Robertson has to be put in a same kind of position he was successful before. That's one of the big problems, too, between the American League and the NHL. Uh, like me, I'm a good example because you get 70 plus points in the American League, right? And you're a captain, you're leading the team, and then you get called up and you're a penalty killing uh, face off checker. Yeah, even um, tonight. The, the only time I got I got unshackled was in Detroit uh, when they sent down uh, uh, Peter Mahovlich, Errol Thompson, Dennis Polonich, Jill Gilbert, and someone else, all to the minors after practice once. So Dale McCourt and I were sitting in the dressing room, and we were adding up all the games they sent down. It was like close to 3,000. <laughs> and and yeah. then, I, then I got ice time. I was on the power play. I was I was doing everything. And I had like 19 goals in 50 games. That's like almost a 30-goal year. Yeah, so you crazy. see, it just goes to show you, it's all about timing and uh, and, and, and who and, and coaching, like who has your back, right? Because, yep. you know, you have to be put in a position to succeed, like Ryan says. Yeah, not like trying to make Phil Kessel play 200 feet again. I mean, it's not going to happen. Exactly. It's not going to happen. His stick is not built for that. Exactly. <laughs> no, you're Everyone, right. You're don't right. try to make orange juice out of apples. It's not going to happen. And, yeah. and then some some players can do it. Like, I don't know, Babcock did it with Kadri. He was this elusive goal scorer, like, on the nights that could just pick a corner anywhere. He gets something yeah. he has for a time. Babcock comes in, and he did really well and turned him into an absolute warrior. Yeah. No, you know, you're right. Too much so. And it's just... Some players can do that. Like John Tavares can do that. Yeah. Not everybody can. Like you just got to let some players 
do what they do best. And it's great to well-round them and put Robertson and say, hey, we're, we might need you sometime down there. But, hey, you know, in places when you want to win, you put him in and let him do what he does. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's, it's a tough sport anyway in the sense that anybody who makes it to the NHL is one of the best 400 player, players in the world right, currently. And yeah. if, you're the, if you're that good of a player, then you probably didn't come from a role where you were a third-line checker. There's a good chance wherever you came from, you dominated. You know, yep. that's how you got there to begin with. So it's, it's, it's a tough sport to wrap your mind around anyway. So, yeah. and, and even tougher when, when, when the coach doesn't give you the opportunity to show what you can do. So exactly. in, in saying that I got to dial it back four decades because we're talking too much, but currently, so I got, I want to know <laughs> about the guys that you play with, because some of those guys are legends, not, not just to me, but to everyone. I mean, you got the chance to play with, uh, in Toronto, a couple of the, probably the two greatest defensemen in the history of the lease in, in, in Salming and Turnbull, just what an amazing mm -hmm. pair, uh, storied career. What was it like getting to play with those guys on the regular? Um, well, Salming, uh, Salming was, was great. He, uh, Salming taught me uh, quite a few things after practice. And one of the things that he taught me was, uh, off a face-off, uh, I'm a, I'm a left-hand shot. So if I'm on the left circle and I win the face-off back to the corner, uh, because I'm small, he said, let the center through. I said, what do you mean? He said, the center you're facing off against, win the draw back, let him through. And here's what you do. You stick your stick underneath his armpit and his hands and you twist them like a can opener. <laughs> he'll go one way, he'll go one way and you're just going to get the puck. And you know, I, I, I became a master at that <laughs> and, and I was so good at with that can opener. And now you could never do that now. No, God. No. Um, so that worked and I, I'll never forget that. And he also showed me, uh, um, you know, how to sweep check properly like Dave Keon. Mm. And that was helpful being a little guy as well. Um, and, and so these little tips and even Sittler, um, uh, taught me when I'm back checking, to back check on an angle from vertical corner to vertical corner, as opposed to straight back. And I think the theory was uh, that way you have less, you're going to put your, you're not going to put yourself in as much danger yeah. uh, with a blindside hit. Um, and then he also said, if you get running around in your, your own end, you're the one that controls it as a center. So he says, go and stand still where, and he says, stand still right in the slot. Because if you stand still in the slot, everybody else will fall into position. So those veterans were very, very helpful in, in giving me tips um, along the way. The Borea, um, everybody called him King. I remember, um, I remember in the dressing room, uh, he would come in like about five minutes before warm-up. And I'd probably be the only guy saying, where is he? Where is he? And everybody else, Turnbull looked at him. He says, don't worry. He comes in. He gets dressed in three minutes, he goes out, and he's the first star every night. But he just had that ability, right? I mean, he looked oh, like wow. he was all disheveled coming into the room, hair all over the place, and uh, his ties all over, and just, you know, snap of a finger, he's dressed down on the ice and first star. It was, it was incredible watching, uh, watching him. But I learned a lot from that team, even though I didn't play a lot of games there. Um, you know, I think I only played 11 of the first 20 or 22 before I got traded, but I got to watch them all, right? Yeah. Oh, no, Which is really so. cool. Really no, cool. No, it got to be. Like, I looked at that 
roster, I'm like, oh my god, like there's a lot was, of huge names there. Oh yeah, it was great. And you know, even in the American League, there was like back then in Moncton, the first year of the uh, New Brunswick Hawks, which uh, I think was might have been the first pro team Chad down there ever. Was that uh, was New Brunswick you know, Hawks, or maybe in in New Brunswick it was in New Brunswick. I think it would have been. Yeah, yeah. Halifax think is, always yeah. had the Voyagers. Yeah. Yep. Um, but we were half owned by Chicago. So we were always going to have a good team, 10 and 10. And Eddie Johnson coached us. Um, and we had, it was like, I mean, there were some real old players. Like I was 19 and there was guys like Jimmy Harrison and Mike Walton and, you know, some pretty older guys. Right. And uh, that was quite an experience that first year. And then the second year we went to the Calder cup and, and that were- was a loaded team with Boudreaux and Paul Gardner and, on and on. Daryl Sutter was my winger. We had a good team. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, you were, so you were a point-per-game League... player that year, I believe, weren't you? I think What's that? You were a point-per-game player that year. You I was. I was. And we had a great playoff. And we always said, if uh, if you can make it to the final in the minors, I'd say 75% of the players are in the show the next year. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Still a little say. Same thing. Yeah. And same thing, you know, like we have the ECHL here now. And a lot of those uh, growlers are now Marley's. And uh, I love to see it happen because, you know, you almost feel that personal connection when you watch them live here. It's really oh, funny. Exactly. We had a we had an episode not long ago. We had Alan Bester on for a for a chat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Bester, Bester's story was the exact well, same, but the opposite, because uh, he said it was really it was really interesting for him. He got buried in the minors late in his career, of course, after, a, again, mm-hmm. similar to it was a Detroit and Toronto trade. But he went right. to went and won the Calder Cup that year. He was traded in 92. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it was kind of a big, you know, FU to Toronto because they had just they had just traded them to a team that, you know, really at that point Detroit was bad and in yeah. in the early nineties they just weren't weren't that good. Yeah. And then, My uh, boy, you sure forge a lot of good friendships in the minors. I can oh, guarantee yeah. you really do. And when you played on a few teams, you you've, you've locked up some pretty good lifelong friends, you know. I mean, a lot of those guys, like, like I would say, can you imagine playing for the Marlies with an AHL contract and trying to live in Toronto? You got like four <laughs> roommates of people that you play with in the same position. Of course, you're going to get close. Yeah, you know, it's uh, any riding buses. Like, yeah. the American League was a bus league. It wasn't like the Central League flew everywhere. No. So, you know, you're... Is this correct or not? I heard, I heard a story that you lived with Boudreaux for a little while. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's got to be worth, worth telling about. Him and his wife. And, <laughs> oh. Yeah, and the, the funny, well, the funny story you probably heard was uh, uh, Daryl Sittler broke his ankle. Um, I think it was my first year. And uh, so the call came for me to go up, which would have been like a six, eight week stint, right? Which is important if you're on a two-way contract. Wow. And uh, so they called for me, but I got hurt that night. Uh, we were playing against uh, Maine Mariners, uh, Phillies farm team, and I got clipped going over the uh, blue line. I got a Charlie horse, and it was so bad, I missed like two months that year. Oh, wow. Um, so what happened was they they called Bruce up instead. So there was Mary and I living in the house, and uh, it was hilarious because I'd already known Gabby a couple years earlier than that. Uh, his His group of friends and mine hung out. And uh, so Gabby would call down and say, is Mary there? And I'd say, no, she's getting ready for bed. Or uh, is Mary there? No, she's in the shower. Mary there? No, she's getting dinner ready for us. I drove him insane. I drove him <laughs> crazy. 
and we laughed about we we still laugh about it to this day awesome but uh anyway so that's what happened the only difference in that story uh, if he was on this show is he'd say no no the call was out for him to go up not me uh, okay. He would twist that around. Yeah. Well, we're we're hoping to land Boudreaux someday. He's he's one of those characters that I absolutely love to listen to. So yeah, oh, he's a lot if of I fun. ever do, uh, I'm gonna ask him about it. I want oh, the yeah, Leafs to absolutely. land Boudreaux. Oh yeah, I heard there's all these rumblings about Boudreaux possibly taking the assistant last year. I was like, that would be amazing. Yeah, now like, all I, the angry people want him there instead of Keith. I'm like, well, hold on. No, I do want Boudreaux in there, but I mean, let's not get hasty and toss people in the garbage. I hope he gets a job. I mean, I don't know what's. You guys probably know more than I do. I don't know how many coaching jobs are left now. A few of them have been filled, but yes. you know, I, I see, I see his name up on uh, Bodog. Believe yep. it or not, the, I don't know if you noticed that, but in the coaches, they're now putting odds on some of the teams and he's a leader uh, for Arizona. I didn't see now, that. I don't, know where, get, I don't know where they get their info from. Yeah, nah. but I think it's all, who knows, right? Yeah. That's hilarious. Who knows? He's yeah. a big coach. It, 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 it'd be a shame not to see him land on his feet somewhere in the league oh, yeah. because he's too good of a hockey mind to leave. Oh, league and he's good yeah. with players. He's he's good with today's player. Yeah, I think uh, he was voted uh, by the players that anonymous vote. I think they said they like playing for him the best at one year through the hockey news. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm not, I, I if I'm not wrong, no, he's you know, a was good that man. Minnesota, maybe. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, no, yeah. he's a good he's a good man for sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd love to see him with the Leafs. So what about you, Chad? You got any uh, past uh, past teammates you want to ask him about? Because uh, <laughs> I hogged a lot of spotlight there. Well, <laughs> the only one left for me would be Lanny because Lanny is Lanny, and I you know I spent a lot of time in his hometown when I was working in Alberta in Hanna, Alberta, and not much yeah. going on there. I spent some time in Viking too, the home of the Sutters, but uh, no, with Lanny, I spent a lot of time in Hanna and uh, used to watch a lot of Leafs games in a spot there because the guy that owned it was uh, friends with the Dar- Darcy Tucker's family, but uh. Lanny is always one of the ones like that character that I always love hearing about and watching is such a wholesome image. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Lanny, that's the one I would have. Yeah. Lanny, um, he, he did one of my videos. Oh yeah. Yeah. He shouted out to, to Chris Snow and I, and, uh, it was nice. And, uh, uh, funny Lanny story. The only one I can think of is, uh, um, I, I remember that my hockey sticks hadn't come in yet to Toronto. And we were playing an exhibition game and uh, I needed a stick. So I went to Canadian Tire and bought one. Can you imagine? As a pro. <laughs> so I bought a, a Canadian, I think, a Canadian Tire. And Lanny caught wind of that. And uh, so he was the only guy that knew I was using these two bought and sticks from the, uh, from the box store, right? So, so in warm-up, um, I... I'll never forget the very first shot I took because we used to line up across the blue line. I took a slab shot and it broke. And I can see Lanny way down the other end, just kind of hunched over laughing. So I don't know to this day whether he cut it. He may have have cut it down where where that tape goes around and I wanted to watch the show, which is what I think he did, but I never did ask him about that. But uh, that was a funny story about Lanny. And then the other one was... uh, playing against the Bruins who were pretty tough back then. Uh, and it was a exhibition game in Boston. And I remember Lanny and Wenzik blowing kisses at each other uh, in warm up. And I'm going, Oh, this is not going to be pretty, you know, <laughs> it was like two pretty tough teams. Yeah. Toronto was tough back then too. Um, 
and that's and that's where I ended up in the wrong dressing room. I don't know if you heard some of these podcasts, but I broke a, a skate in warm up and I in the old Boston Garden, and I went to the wrong room, and I was sitting there, and uh, and then all of a sudden a Bruin trainer comes in, and he goes, "Son, you're on the wrong side," and I started to panic, right, because warm up was almost over, and Wenzik and Jonathan or O'Reilly were coming in. And I'm, I'm coming out and they're looking at me kind of funny, right? And I and I went across the other side to the right room. <laughs> Close one. Oh yeah. man. But anyways, it's yeah, I mean you can there's so many stories, right? In the American yeah. League and the NHL. But uh just uh, like I said, it's just uh it was a lot of fun. The whole ride was a lot of fun. Excellent. That's Even though fun. your life was in danger at some places in the miners. Guaranteed. But but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I can't imagine the bar scene back in the eighties. Like, oh, the minor leagues. It was uh, well in Hershey. You know, <laughs> they start five goons, and they yeah. come walking by your dressing room, kill, kill, kill. Something like slap shot. Yeah, Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter looking at me saying, uh, "Kurtz, do you want to go out there?" And I said, "Not really. I don't want to start. I know that." <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it was. Uh, it was. It was pretty crazy. Daryl's got all those stories too. And Daryl was my winger all year that year. Yeah. So I was in that hometown of Viking, Alberta for a few days. Yeah. Yeah, another. Oh, he, uh, yeah. If you ever run into him, ask him about those, uh, that, that second year of uh, American hockey league. Out there. Hershey Bears. Hershey and Maine. Yeah. They were, they were yeah. crazy. A lot of guys got the flu and warm up. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they did. Oh yeah, I imagine. All right, Mark, we're not going to we're not going to keep you any longer, man. Like uh, we're right, into overtime now, anyway. But yeah. uh, again, what we're going to do, we're going to run uh, we're run the uh, the link below for uh, donations you. to uh, to Sunny Brook yep. uh, ALS Research, and uh, encouraging all of our our listeners to uh, hasn't got to be a big donation, guys. Every little bit helps, and yep. uh, and we'll certainly be making a donation as well on behalf of the DSC podcast oh, in Mark's name. So uh, again, uh, if you uh, if you feel so obliged, check out the website and uh, and open your wallets, open your hearts, all that good stuff. That's again, great, guys. Again, Mark, thanks so much for making the time, man. Like I said, it's fantastic, and we really hope that even if one person hears your hears your story from this and, uh, and takes something away from it, well, then it was uh, it was an hour not wasted. So that's yeah. great, Ryan. I appreciate you and Chad uh, inviting me on here and create some awareness and tell some hockey stories and. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's lots and lots of hockey stories. You know, maybe maybe to Gabby it. and I'll come on together. That'll be a treat. I tell you what, amazing. You, you set it up, and we'll we'll record. Yeah. I'm going right. to go tonight. I'm going well, to go if, tonight. You know what? If he doesn't uh, get a coaching job, he'll be looking for things to do. So, well, listen. We'll uh, we'll see how it goes. But listen, thanks again, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, and you guys have a great uh, great day and weekend. Great. You too, thanks, American. Thanks so much, Talk to you okay. soon. Cheers. Man, whew. that was a uh, that was a an hour and a bit of uh, of enjoyment for me. I was, uh, yeah, me it was too. great to be in the ear of a, po- of a of a pro, a former pro like that, who's just. Uh, I find not that not that I I don't want to have Dwayne Gretzky's on the show or anything. Don't get me wrong, I would love that. But I mean, likelihood is slim, but I always like talking to the guys who hit the buses with with, with the AHL. You know, who really played for for. I hate to say love of the game because I know that NHLers love the game as well. But I mean, you got to be of a certain mindset to to make twenty grand a year and ride around a bus for seven years, you know, chasing your dream. 
uh, make no money, just, you know, wife at home. It, 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 it was a different time, and I really enjoyed the stories that come out of that era. Uh, even though some of some of the guys I have to after the fact I even have to look up myself I'm like who who is that guy oh yeah no that's right he played you know what I mean so uh, that's just that. I mean when you get the big guys you're probably going to hear the stories you heard before anyway or something close to it these yeah. guys you don't know this one yet you don't you never heard of this angle of Lanny McDonald or uh, yeah. you know Tiger Williams you haven't heard those that's I cool. love love what he shared with us there about Salming Salming is just one of those guys who fascinates me always yeah. has. <laughs> Yeah, uh, even though it was kind of like a little bit pre my era, but once I got following hockey, of course I had to start looking backwards, and I was like, "Man, that guy!" Yeah. That yeah, my the- uncle made sure I knew who Bor Summing was because he just talked about him for years and years and years and years. So I had no choice, and I loved every bit of it. And he's a great player. So. Absolutely. Well, guys, if you liked what you heard, you know where to get us. Uh, www facebook.com slash deeksnipeselly. Uh, you will also check us out on our own website, which we're in the process of updating, www.deeksnipeselly.ca. Um, on Twitter at sellydeek if you're uh, the tweeting type. And of course, you can just give Deeksnipeselly a search on YouTube and you'll get all of our videos. So uh, we've got some stuff on there, some good viral stuff here lately, actually, that we've been uploading. That's doing really well, uh, different odds and ends, as well as uh, our regular podcast episodes. So check us out on any of that. Um, more importantly, mm-hmm. uh, no, I mean, you guys always all know where to find us, uh, is where to find Mark and his causes. So here's the link to Mark's uh, charity at Sunnybrook, which he's raising money for. Uh, yep. we'll, we'll be making a donation there in his name very shortly. And finally, if you're interested in, in, in what's Mark, what Mark is doing online and his social platform, he uses Twitter quite exclusively. Uh, you can get him at Kurt Speaks, uh, dot, uh, at Kirk Speaks ALS. And uh, yeah, so make sure to check out all that. Uh, follow along. Uh, great guy, as you can see, quality guy. And uh, and so glad he, he got a chance to come on. So, And if there's anybody else that wants to get a message across, we are always here. We're open to talk to anybody about anything. So uh, yeah, just go ahead and uh, contact one of us through any one of those means. Absolutely. Uh, also, guys, don't forget, uh, big shout out to our sponsor, uh, PHG Sports. Uh, you get those guys at phgsports.com. Uh, check out their, their their list of stuff. I know Let's that go uh, have a look. Todd's been adding some new there. stuff, new merch uh, steady here lately, and there's been some great auctions as well. He's been doing some uh, dollar starting bids, uh, dollar auctions on their yep. Facebook page. So if you're looking for some cool signed photos or whatever, I know one I watched was one one here the other day I missed. It was a, a Wendell Clark autographed photo, and it went pretty cheap for something signed, signed and authenticated. So if you're a collector um, or know somebody that is, great gift ideas because you might get something that will bring down the house for, you know, at a good price. And maybe you're that asshole who didn't buy your father anything a couple of days ago. It's not too late. I didn't. I absolutely. I was like, I did. No, I didn't. I bought a pair of shoes though. I might. I might buy hey a photo of Wendell Clark. <laughs> I totally. No, it's funny. This is my 40 year old self. I bought me and my dad matching. Hey dudes. <laughs> Best shoes you ever get. Hey dudes, man. That's just sponsored a show. I'll wear. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, God. But Pound Hockey Guys, memorabilia, go check it out. Yep, Great stuff. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's basically it. So, if you uh, if you enjoyed it, click like. And click and, share. Yeah, give us a share, boss. Don't be a bunch of let's, assholes. Let's get some eyes on this. Somebody might really like this. Come on. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. All right, guys, click the share button. This is right. Wait, no. There. No. There. Always, that's always, yeah, there you go. Right there. Yeah, I don't know. Yep, okay. I guess that's it. We'll shut her down. Peace. Cheers.